We're in week seven of our flip-flop series, and I don't know if you've noticed, but summer is flip-flop flying by in a hurry. Am I the only one that's noticed that? Uh, is anybody else seeing trees that are starting to change color? Yeah, days getting shorter. <laughs> Should Don't talk about it. All right. Uh, but overall, it's been a really, really great summer. It's been a great summer around Moncton Wesleyan. We have lots to be thankful for. And uh, I keep saying it. I'm going to say it again. It's been a great summer here for attendance, giving. Uh, spiritual temperatures been really high this summer. Baptism, salvations, uh, weather, yeah, maybe. Sometimes, what I don't know. Uh, but it's been a really awesome summer. And I just want to say that we are glad that you are here, that each and every one of you are here, whether you've been coming to Moncton Wesleyan for years, or if you've been coming for a few weeks, or if this is your very first time, we are uh, sincerely glad that you would choose to be with us this morning. Before I get into my message, I want to uh, clear something up from a few weeks ago. And so just let me set it up here a little bit. So my goal, obviously, every Sunday is to be clear right? I mean, that's, I, I need to be clear. If I'm not clear, then it's not, it's not helpful. But, you know, in my, I've only have so much time and it's not possible to unpack every single idea to death. Otherwise we'd be here all day and it'd be really, really boring and no one would come. So I can't do that. Um, but I do want you to know that I'm, I'm listening, uh, uh, my wife and I both realize that I'm far from perfect. And if I need to clear something up, I don't, I don't mind, you know, scooting back for a second and clearing something up. So I want you, want you to know that. And also, you need to say this before you flood us with welcome cards. You know, don't ask, don't everybody start asking me for, for me to clear things up every week because I can't do this every week, all right? So before you flood us with comment cards, uh, remember this, that you know, I mean, a group like this, we all come in here from different contexts and different backgrounds. And we, we, every one of us, we, we filter things differently. And one person says, well, this is what I heard. And this is what he meant. And someone else says, what were you smoking? This is what he said. This is what I heard. This is what he meant. And, you know, and because and we're, we're so different. But this is important. Even if you, even if you question the content, like even if something comes across, like, uh, uh, I hope you never question my intent. Okay? Don't, don't ever question my intent. Because I'm here to help you, not to hurt you. So are you wondering what it is, or should I just skip it? <laughs> All right. A few weeks ago, when I said that, that no marriage is beyond the point of restoration with God... I should have I should have just taken that a little bit further and I should have said I should have finished it with this as long as there are two willing people who want to see that marriage restored or something like that. I just should have finished it that one because it left some people thinking, you know, well, what's wrong with me? And I know that some of you have found yourselves in brutal situations where the other person wasn't willing to work on it or it just was impossible or whatever. And, and, and that's, so that's, I'm just giving you an example of that's a situation when you need to trust my intent and, and know, okay, Pastor Tim's not there to hurt me. He's there to, to help me. And so are, are we good? Are we okay? You all right? You're, you really are a wonderful group and I love pastoring this church. So we've been in the book of Isaiah for the summer, and summer is often a time, you know, when churches 
uh, they unplug a little bit. They kind of, you know, let's just relax. Let's take it easy. And, or let's, let's do something lighter for the summer. And not us. We took on like one of the toughest books in the Bible, uh, the book of Isaiah. And we said that at the beginning of this series that uh, there are really two major themes in the book of Isaiah. One is, is, is salvation, and uh, that's Isaiah just keeps preaching that over and over and over. And then this, this, this other theme of, of vision that he's giving to the people. And Isaiah is an intense character, and we have had some intense Sundays this summer. But uh, you seem to be enjoying it, and I'm enjoying it, and God is working, so it's all good. And even in Isaiah's intensity, there's always a message of hope. That, that just he, 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 he brings us back to hope. He, he always comes back and says, you know, like, don't give up and don't quit and hang in there. And God sees you. God hears your cry. Salvation is coming. Well, this morning in our series, I can't believe this is week seven of the series, but anyhow, it is. And this morning where the point we get uh, to the text in Isaiah, it, Isaiah turns a corner himself. He just, he just, he just sounds cheerier. The second half of the book, uh, he just turns a corner. And so we're going to turn the same corner this morning and uh, we're going to get into some good news. How many people could stand to hear some good news this morning? Anybody want time for some good news? All right. All right. There's a lot of bad news going on in the world these days. As Pastor Mike was just praying about, I know, I get it. I don't have my head stuck in a coffee cup. Some days, maybe. Uh, but we're, gonna, we're just going to pull back from some of that stuff. You know, all, all the stuff that's going on in the world and all the craziness. And, and for the next few moments, I just want us to focus on the goodness of God and be reminded that God is for us. He's not against us. And he wants good things for our lives. So it's going to be good news this morning, okay? Now turn to the person beside you and say, I am blessed, especially if you're married. Look at your spouse. But turn to the person beside you or behind you, look at somebody and say, I'm blessed. Uh, my wife reminded me of something this week. Guys, any, any husbands out there, your wives remind, my, Gayla reminded me of this this week. In one of my sermons not so long ago, um, something, she reminded me of something that I said because we're renovating our home. And it's not, it's not like a total gut job. It's not like we're ripping the whole place apart. But anyhow, she reminded me of, of some time ago when I was preaching, and I talked about people who rip out perfectly good kitchens, and they replace it with a perfectly good, you know, you know where I'm going with this, right? So anyhow, we're in the, we're in the middle of this, and to keep costs down, we decided that I would take out the carpet. I would rip out the carpet. And we have allergies and asthma and an aversion to carpet. There's nothing, the carpet was fine. It, you know, it was clean. It was in great shape and all of that. But it was carpet. So I start pulling and ripping and cutting and, and lugging. And, and, and this stuff's going out and it's out the door and it's in the dumpster. And I'm feeling good. And I'm thinking, man, I'm making progress like this is this stuff this is going right out and then my carpenter he he says to me i i hate to tell you this but you know he was smirking so you knew that he was lying he didn't really hate to tell you this and, he, and he's looking over all of the floor right where i just think uh, uh, i'm doing such a great job and this is going out so good and this is going to be a piece of cake and it's going to it's not going to take me any time and he says i hate to tell you this but you see all those staples 
every one of those staples. I'd like to talk to the person who put 62 million staples in that house. Oh my word. There's enough aluminum in that house to build a speedboat. It is un... I'm sure that whoever put down that flooring, the boss must have said, don't you ever come back at the end of the day with staples left in your pouch. Unbelievable the number of staples. There would be six staples like right on top of each other. How do you do that? Like... And then there'd be 10, and then there'd be 50, and I'm on my hands and my knees for days, literally for days, pulling staples out of plywood. And then you just get the staples cleared out, right? And then if you've done this before, you know what is under the carpet along the wall. Along the wall, every wall, there's this thin strip of wood fastened to the floor that I affectionately refer to as the bloodletting, pain-inflicting torture strip of unsanctification. Bloodletting, pain-inflicting torture strip of unsanctification. It's the shark week of flooring, this thing. And, I mean, the sharpest nails you've ever encountered are on that little wooden strip. And I think, oh, I'm safe. I've got, I'm wearing leather gloves. Leather gloves are no protection against that little, that little thin strip. It was mocking me. This thin strip of wood with the teeth of a great white shark. And it's, it's not, like, where is that going? It's not going to fly away. Like, why do you have to put five million nails in that little tiny piece of of, like you'd tack it here maybe and then tack it way over here. No. Boop, 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 boop. And you know what I mean? And you got to go along and get that thing out of there. And every inch of that demented piece of flooring had like six nails in it. I'm telling you, it was unbelievable. This story has nothing to do with anything. I just had to get this out of my system. I just feel so much better. <clears throat> We're very thankful. I, I guess I was thinking about being blessed and I wanted to say we are thankful it truly feels like home, and I hope to stay there until Jesus comes to get me. I just had to get that out of my system. All right, we have a text this morning. Isaiah chapter 30. How <laughs> do you like that introduction? <clears throat> Isaiah chapter 30, and we're going to read a few verses there. And then we're going to jump over to Isaiah chapter 40, and we're going to read a few verses there. We're going to begin in uh, Isaiah 30, chapter 18. You're going to notice right away a change in Isaiah's tone. Uh, by the way, if you follow me on Twitter almost every week when I'm preaching, I'll give you the text early in the week so that you can get your, 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 your nose in there and read them and get a head start on the message. So here we go. Isaiah 30, beginning in verse 18. So the Lord must wait for you to come to him so he can show you his love and compassion. Doesn't that sound good? For the Lord is a faithful God and blessed are those who wait for his help. O people of Zion who live in Jerusalem, you will weep no more. He'll be gracious if you ask for help. He will surely respond to the sound of your cries. Though the Lord gave you adversity for food and suffering for drink, he will still be with you to teach you. You will see your teacher with your own eyes. Your own ears will hear him right behind you. A voice will say, this is the way you should go, whether to the right or to the left. Then you will destroy all of your silver idols, all of your, your precious gold images. You'll throw them out like filthy rags, saying to them, Good riddance, 
Then the Lord will bless you with rain at planting time. There'll be wonderful harvest and plenty of pasture land for your livestock. The oxen and donkeys that till the ground will eat good grain. It's chaff blown away by the wind. And that day, when your enemies are slaughtered and the towers fall, there will be streams of water flowing down every mountain and hill. The moon will be bright as the sun, and the sun will be seven times brighter, like the light of seven days in one. So it will be when the Lord begins to heal his people and cure the wounds he gave them over to Isaiah chapter 40, beginning in verse 28. Have you never heard? Have you never understood? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth. He never grows weak or weary. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. He gives power to the weak, strength to the powerless. Even youth will become weak and tired, and young men will fall in exhaustion. But those who trust is in the Lord, those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Let me recap some of the gems that we just uh, that we just got here from our brother Isaiah thirty eighteen. God wants to show you his love and compassion. He is a faithful God. 19, he will be gracious. 19, he responds to those who ask for help. 20, he will be with you. He will teach you. 21, he will speak to you. 21, he will guide you, direct you, lead you. 22, trash the idols. Good riddance. 23, he will bless you with rain for harvest. It is time for harvest. 26, he will heal and cure. 40, 28, he's an everlasting God. 28, he's the creator of all the earth. 28, he never grows weak or weary. 28, we can't measure the depths of his understanding. 29, he gives power and strength. 31, those who trust him will walk, they will run, they will soar, they will not crash. It's full of good news. This is, this is full of good news. This, this is like rain in a dry season. This is like ice cream on a hot day. Or frozen yogurt. We have people in our church who own both. Eat a lot of ice cream and frozen yogurt all day, every day. Support them. Both. It, this, this is good news. This is like that first cup of coffee in the morning. It's like a phone call from an old friend. It's like a tax return. It's like the first smile of a baby. I'm getting sappy in my old age. And it's like Isaiah. Just, he just... Whoosh, he, he flicks on the lights, he, he opens the curtains, he opens the window, and he, he, he just gives us this blast of, of fresh air because he reminds us that, that God is a good God. His promises never fail. His love never fails. He never forgets us. He's always for us. And so this morning, I would encourage you, don't judge your value or your worth on your predicament. Your value doesn't come from your predicament. Your value comes from God's promises, not your predicament. And he loves you when you are in troubled waters as much as he loves you when he lifts you out, when he pulls you out of troubled waters. Verse 18 of uh, chapter 30, flip back there. Verse 18 of chapter 30 begins with a condition. It says, so the Lord must wait for you to come. The Lord must wait for you to come. There is love and compassion waiting for you, but you have to come and get it. Isn't that an interesting verse? That the Lord waits for us to come and get the compassion and the love that he has for us. Now, how many of you this morning 
you, you, you like to resolve things right away. You don't let things go. If something needs to be resolved, you tackle it head on and uh, get it over with. Deal with it right away. How many of you resolve things? You're, you're quick like that. You like to resolve it. How, okay, hands down. How many of you would rather bath a cat than deal with conflict head on? You're out there. I know you're out there. You're just like, I, if I raise my hand, I might be dealing with it. I just, I just can't. I just, can we talk about this later, Pastor Tim? Right? That's probably, probably what you're thinking. We avoid God sometimes because, because we're ashamed. Or, or we, just, we just suppress it and hope that it'll go away. Or we're just too busy. We just simply don't take the time. There, there are all kinds of reasons why we, we, we don't come to God. Why we, why we wait. Now, remember, Isaiah is a prophet. And we believe that what Isaiah wrote, he was inspired by the Holy Spirit to, 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 to capture these things for us, to share these things with us. And I think it's mind-blowing that Isaiah gives us an image of the creator of the universe waiting for us to come back, waiting for us to come like an like a anxious parent waiting for a child to come home. Jesus echoed this thought in Luke chapter 15 with the parable of the lost son or the, the prodigal son. The father stands waiting, pacing, looking out the window, waiting for the, this child to come home. And, and when the father sees the child coming from afar off, the, the father bolts out the door and he runs up the lane and he, and he throws his arms around the child and he loves him and he tells them how much he's missed. And Isaiah gives us a picture of a God who waits for us to come and receive the love and the compassion that he has for us. It's an amazing image. God waits for us. He's patient, not pushy. And when you come back to God, you always receive love and compassion, which is the opposite of what some people think. Let's talk about that for a minute. Our vision here at Moncton Wesleyan is people inviting people to experience and follow Jesus. That's the vision of our church. Uh, It's easy. You can memorize it. I hope you do memorize it. I hope that it's just able to to, to roll uh, whenever, you, whenever you need to, uh, to remember it, bring it up, share it with someone. People inviting people to experience and follow Jesus. That's it. That's why we exist. We want to invite everyone we know to everything we do so that people can come back to their creator. And oftentimes, not, not always, but often, when you invite someone or when, this, when a spiritual conversation happens, and you invite someone back. When people think about coming back to church or coming back to God, their first thought is not love and compassion. Okay? Because when, when this comes up, they, they think of judgment. They think of, of rules. They think of lightning striking them as they walk through the door. They think of, of cranky people who walk on an edge. Right? That's, that's, that's what they think of the Bible Thumper 5000. And they're thinking, I don't know that I want to go through the Bible Thumper 5000. And they think about all the things that they've done wrong and, and that God's going to get them. And all, all of that kind of emotion stirs up inside them. 
When you invite someone to church or when you engage someone in a spiritual conversation about coming back to God, their first thought isn't always, well, you know, I really could use more love and compassion in my life. It's, it's the opposite often, oftentimes. And there's our opportunity to be different, to be a people of love and compassion that invite other people to, to come back to a God who's waiting for them, a God who wants to run out and embrace them, a God who just can't wait to, to, to pour his love on them and to show them his compassion. That's our opportunity to be, to be people of love and compassion, to be different from everyone else in the world, to love one another at another level, to invite others to experience the difference that Jesus Christ makes in our lives. That's our opportunity. Now, this text is, is it's, we could spend a whole, a whole series just in this text. It is, it's so loaded, but got to keep moving. I want to pull something out, though, from the second part of verse 18. For the Lord is a faithful God. Blessed are those who wait for his help. Some of you have been waiting. You've been praying. You've been watching. You've been expecting. And Isaiah wants all the waiters to know, all those who have been waiting. He wants you to know that you are blessed. God wants to bless you in your wait. He wants to bless you while you wait. You don't have to wait until the answer comes to realize that you are blessed. You can stand right now in the midst of your storm, in the midst of your trial, in the midst of your difficulty, in the midst of your confusion, in the midst of your sickness, and you can still say, you can still declare, I am blessed. Okay? I, I think we, we, we think I will be blessed when God answers my prayer. I will be blessed when God pulls me out of this rather than, than realizing how blessed we are right now. Blessing isn't just in the answer. Blessing is in the waiting as well and the trusting that God is a God of love and compassion and he always keeps his promises. So people who are waiting this morning, don't give up hope. I hope you'll receive a word of blessing from the Lord today. And maybe it'll just be the presence of God just, just whispering to your spirit. I see you. I hear you. I haven't forgotten you. Don't give up. Down to verse 21 of Isaiah chapter 30. Your own ears will hear him. Right behind you, a voice will say, this is the way you should go, whether to the right or to the left. Uh, we have an old Magellan GPS uh, named, we call her Maggie. You have to name your GPSs. Did you know that? It's in the fine print. You're supposed to give your GPSs a name. And so she's Maggie the Magellan. Um, I think she was made by Magellan himself. She's old. Her maps are all outdated. She thinks the world is flat. She also thinks that I'm stupid. And that I like to drive in fields where there are no roads. Right? Old GPSs, you know that. It's like, I'm on a road. She thinks I'm in a field or in a lake or something like that. And her favorite thing to say to me is this. You've, you've heard this before. This is her favorite thing to say. When possible, make a legal U-turn. And I'm thinking, every time she says that, I'm thinking, when possible, 
buy a new GPS. <laughs> Here are toast. In this verse, verse 21, Isaiah is telling us that God is the source of direction in our lives. And when we navigate on our own for too long, we lose our maps. We get lost. We get off course. And Isaiah says that while you're navigating this, this thing called life, God will speak to you in unmistakable ways and he will tell you which way you should go. Now, I am, before you start writing on your communication card saying, could you please unpack that some more? Could you clear that up for me next week? Right? We can't have like 600 of those. Uh, can't do that every week. But let me just say, I'm not going to stand here this morning and pretend that I fully understand this. I'm not. I'm not. I was going to say that up front. God's ways are higher than our ways. God did not create our little coconuts with the ability to know everything. And I don't want to worship a small, puny God that I can figure out and fully understand. He, he is, he's, he's just, he's God of the universe. He's God. He's beyond comprehension. So let me try to give you some more help. There will be times, I do believe, there will be times when God will give you crystal clear direction. There will be times when God will be silent. And there will be times when God will say, figure it out. You pick. Either way, I'll go with you. Let's roll. There'll be times when God will just say, choose. You pick. It's okay. One of the reasons why I'm here, one of the reasons why our family is here is because I woke to, in the night, I woke in the night to a voice that was calling my name. Tim. Tim. Just like that. You getting chills? I did. It was clear that it's Tim. And so I literally sat right up and a voice that was clearly audible to me, probably not audible to anyone else, said these exact words. Go to Moncton. It's okay. I will be with you. Just like that. What is that? It was, I was so awake and it was so clear that I knew I, there was no choice, there was no option. If I don't go, uh, that voice, I'll hear that for the rest of my life and, and I'll die with regret because I'll know that I said no to the voice of God. So here I am. We later found out that Kevin Campbell, the vice chairman of the church, was specifically praying that God would wake the right candidate in the night and tell them to come to Moncton. That was his prayer. That's cool. Now, before you think, well, yeah, okay, you're Pastor Tim and you're dialed in and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I've had lots of times when I've prayed to God for direction and it was silent. Lots of times. And I, I can't understand that. And I've had other times where I felt God say, pick, choose. I'll, I'll be behind you. I'll, I'll go with you. I've got your back. It's a mystery. 
Then Isaiah tells us how we should respond, what the proper response should be when God blesses us and gives our lives direction. It's verse 22, where he says, Then you will destroy all your silver idols and your precious gold images. You will throw them out like filthy rags, saying to them, Good riddance. All the things in our lives that we've allowed to come before God, all the shiny things that we've pursued or created or put ahead of God in our lives. Isaiah says that when we come back to God, when we, when we see God for who he is, when we put God first in our lives, that we'll realize in that moment, we will realize, hey, nothing else matters. Everything else is, is rubbish. And we'll gladly turf those things. We'll toss those things to the curb and we'll say, good riddance. Thanks for coming. I don't need you anymore. Nothing is ever going to come between me and my Savior. So it's an interesting verse. Okay, let's jump over to Isaiah chapter 40. All of Isaiah chapter 40 is awesome. And uh, be good homework for you. I know everybody loves homework. Uh, you can read it this afternoon. Um, and uh, if you're, it's a chapter about comfort. And so if you're not feeling well, don't take another Advil. Read Isaiah chapter 40. It's, a, it's a, just a chapter of comfort. Isaiah chapter 40, let's read verse 28. Have you never heard? Have you never understood? The Lord is the everlasting God the creator of all the earth. He never grows weak or weary. No one can measure, no one can measure the depths of his understanding. The word that Isaiah used for everlasting is the Hebrew word olam, olam. And this Hebrew word olam, it's it's a combination of two words. and, And the first part means antiquity. And the second part means perpetual. Antiquity and perpetual. Someone who always was and someone who will always will be. God is forever. He has always been. See, we live inside of time. God lives outside of time. Time does not apply to God. I know you just just bent your brain a little bit. It's like, whoa, that, you know, it's hard to comprehend. We live in night, day, night, day, 24 hours, seven days, 365 days. If you need to know how many days till Christmas, go get a coffee and and Bob at Coffee Stop will let you know. Uh, You know, we live for 90 years or 100 years, whatever, and then you get your exit ramp and off you go, okay? We live in bodies that are temporal. They're expiring. They remind us, at least my body does, reminds me every day that I'm not getting any younger. And after several days on my hands and knees pulling staples out of a plywood floor, everything hurts, everything aches, and that's just the way it is. But God is outside of, of time. He's always been. He is the everlasting. And I wish that, you know, we could go back and read the entire chapter uh, 40. We're not going to. I wish we could, because what we're doing this morning, when we jump in at, at verse 28, we're kind of hitting it right at the crescendo. It's just, you know, it, it should... It should be written like in all bold capital letters with all kinds of exclamation marks. If you read the whole thing, it's a, this is the climax of that, of that chapter where Isaiah says, Have you not heard? Don't you understand? He says, 
God is, is worthy of our praise. God is huge and awesome and eternal. And he's in control of every detail of our lives, every detail of the universe. And he sees us and he loves us. And even if it seems like we're stuck in this waiting pattern. God, Isaiah says, God gives power to the weak. Verse 29, he gives strength to the powerless. Our bodies might get tired. We might get weary along the journey, but Isaiah says that the eternal everlasting God has never changed. His promises never change. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Verse 31, Isaiah says, those who trust in the Lord, they that wait upon the Lord, they will find new strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and they will not faint. It's good news. It's good news. It's good news. In, in chapter 30, where we were, Isaiah mentions uh, God waiting for us. In chapter 40, he talks about us waiting for God. And, and I don't know why. Why do we make God wait for us sometimes? Why are we so slow to respond to his calling, his leading, his, his offer of grace? And I don't understand why there are times, maybe even seasons, when we wait on God. But there seems to be this two-way relationship of waiting. Times when God waits on us and times when we wait on God. Either way, it appears that, that waiting is going to be a part of the journey. But there's, there's something deeper here that Isaiah pulls together. And, and, I, and my prayer, my prayer this week has been this truth here in the next few minutes would just set some people free this morning. It's good news. Um, nobody likes waiting. I, know, I don't think. I don't know if anyone who's like, oh, goody, I get to wait. Um, they call, uh, you know, people who work in restaurants, they call them waiters because they're the people who refill your water while you wait for your food. Your parents tried to teach you how to wait. At a very early age, people started telling you good things come to those who wait. And Isaiah brings this word of comfort because he tells the people of God that God isn't just going to bless you after you wait. He's not going to bless you because you waited. Don't just wait to see what God does after the wait, Isaiah says that God wants to bless us while we wait. That waiting is part of the deal. And waiting doesn't mean that God is absent, that God doesn't see us. God wants to bless you in the wait. He's going to be with you while you wait. He's going, waiting doesn't have to be a season of dryness or emptiness or loneliness or frustration or despair, or defeat. While you are waiting on God, God is working on you. Back that up. Back that up. While you're waiting on God, God is working on you. So don't just focus on the wait and wonder where God is. Look around you at your blessings and see that God is with you while you're waiting. 
Don't just ask when. You know, that's the, that's the question people ask when they're waiting. You know, like when, like how much longer? When am I going to be out of this season? We also ask why. Why am I waiting? Why am I still waiting? Why? You know, ask how is God blessing my life right now? Where do I see God's hand at work in my life right now? Where do I see the blessings of God in my life right at this very moment, even while I wait? Even if I wait my whole life, even if I never see an answer, I'll still choose to see the blessings, even when I don't see an answer. Waiting is not to weaken you. Waiting is to strengthen you. God isn't trying to wear you down. God wants to build you up. So see the wait as a season of strength where you will eventually emerge stronger than ever before, supported by the everlasting God who never grows weak. He never grows weary. The God who gives power to the weak. He gives strength to the powerless. Those who trust in the Lord, those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar. They will walk. They will run. All right. If you have never, if you're here this morning and you've never made the decision to believe in Jesus Christ and to follow him as your savior, God is waiting for you right now. And maybe you've been waiting to make that decision. (laughs) And so there's this wait thing going on. You're waiting, God's waiting. You're waiting, God's waiting. God is waiting for you. If you, if you, if he sees you coming this morning, he will open, he will bust through the doors. He will run to you. He will meet you. He will open you with welcome arms. And all you will receive from him is love and compassion and grace and forgiveness. All he wants to do is love you and bless your life. That's all you're going to receive. You don't have to wait for another opportunity. You don't have to wait until you're more ready. It's like being waiting to get, being ready for marriage or waiting until you're ready to have kids or what. It's just, it's just, so you don't need to keep waiting. Today is a great day to accept God's offer of grace and choose to follow Jesus. We believe, I believe that this is the most important decision that you'll ever make. And, and we love, we love to cheer people on when they make this decision. We just, we just love that. This is a safe place. This is your church family. We're here to pray for you. We're here to encourage you. We don't want to embarrass anyone or anything like that. We just want to celebrate with you. So I'm going to lead us all in a prayer. And if today is your day to, to stop waiting, to choose to follow Jesus... I'm going to invite you to pray this prayer with me. And to be clear, when I'm done the prayer, I'm going to ask, I'm just simply going to ask, if there's anyone here this morning who prayed that prayer with me, today was the day that they, they took that step. They stopped waiting, and they decided to follow Jesus and accept him as their Savior. I'm just going to ask you to stand. The congregation wants to applaud cheer for you. Someone will give you some information just, just, just as an encouragement, just to help you. That's it. We're not trying to, to freak anybody out. Let's pray.
God, I thank you again this morning for your word. Thank you, God, for the way that you inspired Isaiah to, to write these words of comfort. 700 years before Jesus was even born, before Jesus even set foot on the planet, Isaiah wrote those words, and they're so real for us and helpful in our lives this morning. God, I pray right now for anyone who has been, who has, who has never made that decision to choose to, to believe that Jesus is the Son of God, to accept Him as their Savior, and to follow Him with the rest of their lives. God, I know you're waiting for them. Maybe they've been waiting to make this decision. And I pray right now in the next couple of minutes that they would come to you and simply pray this prayer. They can pray it out loud. They can pray it in their heart. I know, God, that you hear. You see exactly where they are this morning. As they say, Jesus, I believe this morning that you are God's son. I understand this morning that God has been waiting for me to come back. And I'm not waiting any longer. And I, God, I come to you right now in this moment. And I invite you to come into my life. And I accept Jesus Christ as Lord of my life. I believe that Jesus came to this earth, born as a child, born of a virgin, died on a cross for my sin, but he rose again. He's resurrected, that his presence is here right now, and that I will spend eternity with him in heaven. Jesus, I'm asking you right now to come into my life, every place of my life, every area of my life. I won't hold anything back. I ask you to forgive me of, of any wrong, anything that's been between me and God. I ask you to forgive me. And I receive this morning your, your love, your compassion, your grace, your, your forgiveness in my life. Thank you, God, for what you're doing in my life right now. I know that heaven is throwing a party right now uh, for me as God welcomes me into his arms and shows me his love and his compassion. So thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus, for giving me this opportunity to pray this prayer this morning, to come back to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.